You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 277 of the award-winning PHP Ugly. Still going with the award-winning thing. Yeah, you keep saying that, but we have not won any awards. Bad news for J-Mac. Major League Baseball has banned the use of shift, so they'll have to do all their Laravel migrations by hand. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me tonight is John Congdon. Did you mention the episode number? I wasn't paying attention to you. And Tom right out. You've got to be extra excited today because I saw some news and I just knew I was going to see a smiling face from you when I when we came on today. Yes, John. 277. That's two, seven, followed by another seven. We've been doing this for a while. What news did you see that you think would bring a smile to my face, Tom right out? Well, the, the baseball... Uh, dispute. The payment dispute is settled and the season is now officially starting. And I, I, I don't think I have confirmation yet, but I saw tweets come in that sa- says that they will, they ban the use of the shift, which has kind of been one of these controversial things in baseball for the last few years. I'm not a fan of it, but I mean, if you're going by statistics, why wouldn't you do it? Uh, but apparently, it's not going to be a thing anymore. But do no you, idea. But do you realize? Do you, but do you know why they why it stopped? Why, why the whole everything got resolved? Because my kid starts t ball on Saturday, and they got to start at the same time. I'm As, sure that was the, it. I'm that, sure, that was it. I'm sure yep. that factored into it. So, what is the yeah. shift in baseball? I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, you've seen it. If you watched baseball, whenever you get okay, like so a, yeah, <laughs> right off the right off the bat, you've, you've swung and missed. <laughs> Most of the times, it's a power hitter who who does a de- what's called a dead pull. That means they always pull the ball when they hit. They will put on what's called a, sh- a shift, where all the fielders will go to. If it's a left-handed batter, it would be the right side of the field. If it's a right-handed batter, it would be the left side of the field. Okay, so like when so I was playing baseball over. and everyone said, right, hey, it's him again, everyone come in closer. <laughs> That's a different sort of shift. <laughs> That's a different shift. When they say, yeah. Outfielders, just go have a seat. Yeah. Infielders, just scoot, Grab a scoot soda. in a little bit. Grab a soda. <laughs> Second baseman, you could take time off. Yeah. I was not, and, and it, not good it, at baseball. You know, it's really one of these things, like, it's, I don't know. I, we don't need to go into a lot here. I know you guys aren't big fans, but it's like these teams are playing the stats. You know, the person hits the ball to the right side of the fence 98% of the time. So why don't I? put all my players on the right side of the field. And so why are they stopping it? I don't get that. That makes sense to me. It really yeah, is not a... fun to watch. It's not fun to watch at all. It's already. So <laughs> think about it this way. If you succeed 30% of the time, you are a all-star in baseball at hitting. Mm-hmm. That means out of every 10 at bats, if you succeed, if you get a hit three times, you're doing really good. You're right. That so does sound boring to watch. very difficult it's already very difficult to get a get a hit. You take into the fact that they're they're playing these shifts, that stat even drops further. It's just not fun. It's not fun to watch. How are they going to control whether the outfield is shifting though? Like how Well, it's not just the outfield, it's the infield shifts too. The usually the third baseman and shortstop come to the right side of the second base and I mean it's ugly. It's very ugly. So 
I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. And I don't even know if that's official yet. I saw a tweet fly by that, that kind of hinted to that, but I don't know. I don't know yet. You're what, you're listening to Baseball Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. I know you guys aren't interested, but... <laughs> You know, a couple of people on Discord no. might like to hear. So yeah. I, I'm interested to a point. I like going to place. I like going to games for sure. I just don't follow. <laughs> I don't follow it. I'm not as into it as you are. Where I need to know all the latest. I'll go to a game, watch it, enjoy it, drink a beer, need have it. a heart I attack. Do. It's all good. I absolutely enjoyed the minor league stuff that I that I went to see much more than ever seeing the Padres. I like going to see the Padres. Mm. Hey, my kids are sponsored oh. by the Padres. You can't talk bad about them. Oh, that's yeah. My 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 kids, their team name is the Machado Minions. <laughs> hey, we got some good news, actually. Yeah, you've got a hell of a setup behind you here. You've you've really gone full uh, VTuber with this this background. I haven't changed anything in a few weeks now. It's just my background. I'm standing. That's the only difference. So you're seeing higher. Right? I think that's what it is. Skateboard. So it's the same same setup. Nothing changed. But gas now. It's actually cheaper to drink my scotch than it is to get gas. So well, that's, that's good. That's a bonus. That's good news. I think. Z- news. I think now, zombie- now they, good. they don't say uh, the saying used to be "Don't drink and drive." Now it says "Just drink, drink, don't drive." <laughs> <laughs> I think Zombie Slayer in uh, YouTube on YouTube is drinking Appleton's Twelve Year. I'm assuming that's a. Uh, Alcohol of some sort. I don't know about Appleton. Well, so we are opening up a fresh bottle of Lagavulin 16. If you'd come over to my house and play in one of my poker nights, you can finish off the Lagavulin that's above my. You literally my drove tr- by my house and didn't drop by. You want me to drive right, an right, hour right, right, to give you my that. money? We covered that last what? episode. Did you have a poker game for me to stop at? Stop and play at? No. Nobody's got a pool. I do have a pool. Yeah. Yeah, I, the gas thing, it's so strange watching the sort of propaganda network so effectively roll out, like, who's responsible for this and why is it happening? And people just saying the dumbest stuff on on social media. Uh, yeah. It's it's very fascinating. People very upset that the Keystone XL pipeline was canceled, uh, construction of which would have finished six years from now and delivered <laughs> all of its fuel to South America. So, exactly. It, we, that wasn't even for us. So yeah, that's yeah, we, bizarre. We Canadian owned oil being transported through the United States to the Gulf of Mexico to be processed and then sold to South America. Like where in that we didn't where in that lineup did we get cheated? Much on the show. As a matter of fact, we didn't talk about it at all on the show. But I, I came in possession of a hybrid vehicle recently. Uh, we talked it just, a little it just bit. dropped into his driveway. He doesn't know how he came into possession of it, but it's there. <laughs> No, it's, it's well, like it the was a compromise, it's, right? It's not technically his. Yeah. It's technically owned it by somebody a, else. It was it was a compromise. I I've been wanting an electric vehicle for a long time. I I don't want a Tesla. I, I wasn't interested in a Tesla. I was very interested in the Ford F one fifty, but you can't you can't even order those right now. Yeah, the price went up but, ten thousand dollars after they announced it. Yeah, uh, but even the wife was a little on the fence around the concept of a electric vehicle. Like, yeah, there was like, what happens when the, you know, when the, when you run out of power, what happens when your pistons blow up in your engine? I mean, what's, (laughs) well, no, it's not even that bad, John. It's like, what happens when your car runs out of gas? You go get more gas. Well, when you run out of juice, you go get more juice. It's kind of the same concept. (laughs) 
Well, th- this hybrid I have is one of these pluggable hybrids, and it actually runs off battery 100% for like 14 miles. It's only 14 miles, and it kicks into this hybrid mode, and you get, in theory, you get like 30 to 40 gallons, uh, 30 to that 40 That sounds like a leaf. Yeah. What is it? Um, but now, the wife, who I, I love, first thing, I'm, I'm on the fence. So we bought it at CarMax. And CarMax has this 30-day return policy. So I, I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not I'm going to keep it because it's not really getting the mileage I'd hope. Uh, because, again, a lot of people in the house still work down in San Diego, and that was the idea. We'd have this really fuel-efficient vehicle to drive down to San Diego. And so did you already bypass the mileage limit on that? It's 30 days or is it 750 months? Oh, is it 1,500? 1,500. Yeah, 1,500. So no, we haven't. Um, so, but... The, the the wifey is in the is in the car and I'm explaining him explaining everything, and I can just feel her tense up the moment the electric gives out and the gas kicks in. So it, it, it's it's seamless when you're driving. So you're just driving and the car figures everything out. Once it gets to, down to like twenty percent, it says, "Okay, I'm switching over to gas and I'm going to use the last remaining part of the the battery for the hybrid mode." And it actually charges battery while you drive as well but when when that happens when the gas kicks in and it's 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 noticeable because like when you're driving on the electric battery the rpms don't go like they're on zero then all of a sudden they pop up because the gas kicks in i guess a huge plume of black smoke comes out the back it's like so i think she's coming around the idea of electric vehicle like because it's so nice (laughs) so with 14 miles which it's not a lot, but you can drive around town. Like you can run down to Starbucks, you can run down to the grocery store and get back home and be on electric the whole time. It's so nice when you do that. But <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm with her. It's like once that gas kicks in, it's like son of a bitch. God damn it! <laughs> this is, so. But that's the difference, though. Is when you're on gas, you realize gas is over almost five dollars a gallon here in California at this point. And you can feel that like draining your purse, but you don't feel it when you're plugged into the wall. And how much are you paying for that? Well, I mean, I, I, well, you, depending on where you do it, you guys, you guys heard the whole saga about my new car, which is now running fantastically. It's running great. The wife loves it. I love it. Um, but it wasn't until after we had purchased the car that we uh, looked up whether or not it needs regular fuel or premium fuel, which was. A, a bit of a surprise to us. Everything but, goes pre- Everything says it needs premium fuel now. I th- yeah, I thought that when I with my new car, but it wasn't. It, I just misread it. That's regular. Yeah, mine actually says uh, not using premium fuel could void the warranty. Really? Yeah, could cause ed- engine wow. damage and may void your warranty. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm thinking about taking the car back and getting a full electric. But the only thing they have that's even slightly appealing are the Teslas. And I'm like, oh, man. Which are problematic know. vehicles. So I've heard this. I've heard this from Tesla owners. Like they, they, the couple of Tesla owners I've talked to say that you, you know that the Tesla wasn't built by a company who built cars. Like there are just these little things about it that, that are frustrating. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've heard too. Is that, you know, the drivetrain is fine and the batteries and all that. It, it all works great. It's just that, like the fitment of all the components is sometimes weird. Right. Um, the door handles can freeze over, which is a thing like here in 
Colorado Springs where you can't get into your car because the door froze the handle shut. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's like nitpicks, um, but it's it's not as high quality as it likes to say it is. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm so in the fence. I've, I got to make a decision here soon because I'm coming up on the 30 day mark here in about. I, don't know, I think I have two weeks. I think it was like the 25th I got it, but I got to double check that. What's the what's the mileage on the Leaf? Yeah, the Nissan Leaf gets 150 miles. Yeah, but that's that's full that's full electric too. That's isn't full it? electric, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. is Eric going to fit into a Leaf? That's, that's the thing you got to. <laughs> the Leaf it's is small. It's small. With an average human. Here, here, okay, the, the see, Leaf is small, right? <laughs> Am I thinking yeah, right yes car? and no. Yes and no. Here's the thing is that at, because I went car shopping recently, I experienced this where I looked at very large cars where they're like, yeah, this is a big American vehicle. You know, go on, have a seat. And I sat in it and like my forehead was against the glass. On That's the, me. Well, I have, like, I have the issue with the, my head hitting the ceiling yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, even if I even if I went whole police academy high tower and ripped out the front seat and just sat in the back seat, you know, I'm still having like issues with. Uh, yeah, with see, room, it's so. it's not about how big the car is; it's about how they engineer the seat and how how low yeah. you can sit in it. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, first world problems, really. I I, I tell myself I'm I'm fortunate. That what have is the car issue, that you have? It's a hybrid. Oh, I I got I got oh, I got, it's a Prius. I got my my plates finally for the car that I just bought, and holy cow! How long did that take? It it took almost it took three months. I my car I got my car in December, and I just got my plates the other day. And of course, they spelled my name wrong, J O N H. I'm like, <laughs> how do you mess that up? And I go I go and I look at all of my paperwork from CarMax. I'm like, no, it's all right in here. So they screwed up when they sent the information to the DMV. So I finally called them today, like. What do I need to do to fix this? Uh, we'll take care of it. You should have something in a month or so. Or if you don't have anything in a month, call us back. Let us know. I assume they don't have to reissue the plates. They just have to update the registration. Right. Yeah. So yeah. here in Colorado, this, this is one of my fun little culture shock things here in Colorado, is that you have to register it after you buy it. And so you go in to register it and fill out the form and give them the money. And they turn around and have a stack of plates. And they say, do you have a preference on starting with a letter or a number? Or anything mm-hmm. like that? I go, no, no, no preference. And they just give you two of the plates that they had sitting there, and then sign them out to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, right. Nice and efficient. I like that. How about uh, let's what, what you might not be aware? What, what you might not be aware of, Tom, because I, I'm not sure if they were doing it when you lived here, but they finally started issuing temp tags out here. So in California, it was one of the most shocking things when I moved to California. You'd see cars driving <clears> around with no license plate. Really. Like, what the yeah, hell? They just Why got the little no paper in the window. On. Yeah. And my friend's like, oh, yeah, they just bought the car. And it's like, it's not a new car. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, they just they just bought it. So it was probably used. But, yeah. And that was a thing. Like, cars yeah. cars didn't have – you didn't have to have a license plate on them. And then they'd send it. Well, that's not true anywhere. They have temp tags. Like, I think pretty much everybody else in the country does. Well, because that was the thing is that if you if you had a problem with your registration – you, you were better off taking the plate off and just getting a photocopy of a sticker with a little green bar at the top of it and some random text on it and taping it to your back window because the cops couldn't read it. So they just assumed that it was still valid. Mm. Yep. All right. So let's move on. I, ha- I have some topics I-, I want to revisit with you guys, but I don't want to hijack the show. I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to to maybe talk about Trillo boards and then we can go back to uh, 
back to my game plan. So let's start with you, Tom. How was your week? Uh, interesting. Finally got my schedule shuffled around for my uh, team that is uh, in the the Eastern Bloc. Uh, I work with a lot of uh, Serbians and that whole area of the world. And they are basically just signing off work by the time I'm starting up. So our stand-ups were at a time that I couldn't make it. But got that figured out. Didn't want to make it. You didn't want to make it. No, I couldn't. Totally could make no. it. You just didn't didn't. Well, I'd like more than four hours of sleep, so yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, what time rough. are you going to bed? It was... All right, so full disclosure, because I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. The, the stand-up was at 7 a.m. Tom's time. Yes. So it's not like they were asking him to join at 4 o'clock in the morning or something like that. Might as well. Okay. <laughs> So, so, so it would have been easier for at 4 a.m. so he could just stay up and be on the stand up. You inconvenienced a lot of people just so you get another hour or so of sleep. So, go ahead, continue. Yeah. And it worked. They, they, no, no, it's, it's Eric's story now. Eric, Eric knows all the details. So, (laughs) no, no, I mean, you can tell the rest of it. (laughs) I don't know anything else. Uh, so that's all worked they, out. Communication is established. I'm working on things, and uh, so and they came. Boy, it's I, now later. Is that what you're saying? It is now later, which is nice. So, but I'm just I'm working with with APIs, integrating third party APIs, and I just hate them. I hate all of them. Yeah, the documentation's yeah. not up to date. The authentication procedures are random. Whether or not they have an IP whitelist is totally up in the yeah. air. Uh, you know, and what, what's more exciting is they'll just start changing. You know, you'll you'll build a business that's completely dependent on them, and they'll start changing one or two small things. Well, yeah, and I'm talking you become a big slave companies to, to the API docs. Big companies. I'm working right now with uh, Thompson Reuters, and okay. they're they're huge, and their API appears sure? to be I've completely out of date. You have Thompson Reuters, the media company. They own the media, so. It is it is a nightmare to try and get this stuff working. And the worst of all is when you have sandbox credentials that aren't working and you have to communicate with the person who set up the account who is not a technical person. They have to communicate it to their support desk with whatever company. And the support desk is like, oh, have, have you tried entering the password in? And you're like, yeah, f- you know, four days worth of conversation back and forth now. It's just like the worst kind of problem to have. And I have a I have a developer portal login. So like they actually have it sandboxed off well enough that as a developer, you can just say I'm a developer and they'll give you all the stuff that you need. But then like somewhere in the API, it's like, okay, now pull up the reference number for this search system within your dashboard. Like I don't have the dashboard. They're like, well, ask the person who has the dashboard what the reference number is. Like they're not going to know what the reference number is. They're an accountant. <laughs> like, how do, how do they know what to look up reference numbers for the API for? Well, it's in settings, developers, API keys, and then under API keys, authorized endpoints, and then custom authorized endpoints. And then that should have your developer ID in it. From your developer ID, you enter that in through here, and that'll give you your endpoint ID. Like, great. I'll just send that right along to the accountant, and he'll get that figured out right away for me. Like, it is the worst and everyone is doing it the same way and it's terrible every time. Like there has to be some level of understanding that the developers are going to be working completely independently from the person who wants this thing set up in the first place. 
and that they have to be able to operate with very, very little interaction between all of the moving parts to get the thing built. Mm. And it's just, no one does that. If if only there was a standard when it came to authorization versus homegrown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. OAuth, OAuth 2. It's great. Mm-hmm. Hit this endpoint that's hosted on a different server that's also IP whitelisted and sometimes doesn't get the same whitelist as the API server. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Also, keys just stopped working. Or like if you need to make 10 concurrent requests, mm-hmm. do you OAuth every time you make the request? All right, so you you've gotten you got away with changing everybody else's schedule around you, and it's a pain in the ass working with the APIs. What else you got going on? See, I, I pay attention. That is it. That is my literally. That is my life right now. <laughs> API woes. Yeah, it is. Awesome. My my current workload I mean, is is add new endpoints to an existing API that we support and implement these two new APIs. All right, that is so my, I, that I is have my a question. work for the sprint. I have a question for you guys. You get random emails. This person's saying that they are a, a they work for a security company or whatever. They would like a bounty for finding uh, an error in your system or a bug in your system. Do you reply to those? Are you talking about what I think you're talking about? Did this no, happen to you again? Not. No, I'm just asking in general. In no. general. Do, do you reply to the emails where people say, hey, I, I, I found this bug and I would like a a reward of some sort ask for the cve what if yeah, they have what if they have CV. one like well and sometimes it's a configuration issue as well that they claim they found yeah so uh, the most not, recent one i came outside my pay grade the, the most recent one that that i saw affected a client and it's a known wordpress ddos potential issue that there's no patch for currently so the the person writes in, "Hey, you're affected by this. Here's how you fix it, and I want to be paid." And they're like considering paying him or them. I don't know who it is. They're 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 considering paying, but then there's all this discussion of, "Well, how do we prevent this before we reply to it?" And it's like, just don't reply. It's just somebody that wants money. It's not like they haven't threatened like, "Hey, I'm going to attack you." It's more of a Hey, we found this potential issue, and here, you know, we expect some sort of payment. And I've gotten so many of those for our business, where I'm like, I just ignore it. It's never caused us any issue. No one's ever attacked us. Like, you didn't pay me, so now I'm going to DDoS your systems. It's it's a phishing scam. Like, let me contact as many people as I can that are running a WordPress site right now, and see who's willing to give us a, yeah, a few it- shekels. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I mean I, th- I think it does legitimately happen in how to identify the legitimate uh, emails. I think uh, is a would be a helpful conversation because I mean just ignoring security problems is probably not the <laughs> I, no, 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 no 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 I don't no, mean I, I, I don't that. mean I don't mean ignore security problems, but when it's a well known WordPress type issue like it, there's a CV out there that. There's no patch for it's a potential issue. Is it worth- currently unexploited? Right. So like, I, there's a there's a similar scheme around sending invoices to large companies where you, if you oh, just I remember this still still done very successfully. You just yeah. send an invoice it's to a large to company. Um, you, you, I mean, just to give you a, put put it in some context, John. You could send a bunch of big fortune 500 companies an invoice for a magazine that maybe they subscribe to maybe they don't i don't know i'm just gonna pay this pay this invoice 
I'm just saying it's a possibility. It could happen. Um, I will tell you that there are legitimate bug bounty boards and systems that you can engage with. And, uh-huh. and 99% of legitimate bug hunters are using those boards because they have established values to them and they have more information on how to target the vulnerability than uh, just randomly hitting WordPress sites. Then I can tell you that the 1% that randomly targets people without using official bug boards is offering their services as a consultant and saying, hey, bring us on. You know, We're doing this for free, but if you want us to do this for you full time and, and check for bugs and fix your issues, we offer, you know, we have a company, uh, let's call it Diego Bug. And you know, just, just, we just scan you and check you and do the thing for you. If not, we understand small businesses have to make priority decisions, et cetera, et cetera. The people who are targeting you are not any of the 99% or the 1%. They are just grifters. <laughs> They're, they're just plus one. <laughs> they're, they're not part of le- any format of legitimate bug hunting or bug bounty. System. No, I, I, I agree. It was more of the, you get these random and emails. Sure. How, how do you respond to them? But here's my rule with a grifter is that grifters have already sunk the cost of the moral dilemma of what they're doing, which means they will act without morals from then on. So, it's better to just not engage them at all than it is to engage them and show them that you have interest or money or time because grifters are going to grift. If they're, if they come to you with, if they come to you with a, a bad deal, Title. they're going to sour it even worse later. Title of the show. Grifters are going to grift. And if you want to suggest the title for our show in discord, join us over at discord.phpugly.com. Join the conversation. I'm surprised. Dang title and give us a title name. There's been there's been no title suggested so far. That makes me sad. No title. Uh, So I've been doing a lot of event sourcing again lately, and I'm excited Mm. about that. So just getting back into that world. Wrote a couple of aggregates uh, this week. Bunch of commands. Bunch of events. And it's like every time I start to work on this, I'm like, why isn't everything event sourced? (laughs) <laughs> and then and i know it's it, it comes down to there's a trade-off from there's more thought to be put into it it takes a little bit longer but i'm really excited about what i'm working on right now in the sense that one getting another piece of uh the product event source for my own knowledge base like the more i do it the the more efficient i get at it and just some of the possibilities that that brings from the auditing, the paper trail of everything that has happened to just centralizing where things happen. I'm really excited to, to be working in this again. I, I've been reading to, about to a little bit of it. event sourcing with uh, like enveloping things and I don't know what enveloping things. A is, lot of it, a lot of it goes over my head, but <laughs> I just knew that word. It was said a couple times. I figured it's important. I've heard it in the past. <laughs> For you, I'm surprised you're not event sourcing because everything you do seems to be so uh, critical. You're dealing with financial information, right? Not Uh, necessarily accounting level things, but being able to track when things happen seems to be very important. we We are storing raw data and building what we need out of it. So it's kind of. So are you doing? Are you doing like a uh, like a document store and just just storing globs I, of data? I have been shot down on a document store. We are using MySQL. 
Well, I mean, the current version of my sequel could be a document store as well, but that's a whole different kind of is. Uh, we're uh, we're building integrations that don't necessarily have a front end to them yet, so we're we're actually getting just mm-hmm. this vast amount of data from our services, and then giving it to the front end and saying, "Hey, draw this the way you want to draw it." If you need to create aggregates or something, then we can do that. But uh, you know, we don't have a lot of reporting in our system for large, like for the scope of the whole system. Uh, we've, we very much just focus on a lot of data, but one user at a time. So we don't have to create aggregates in the same way that some sites would have to. It's not so much aggregates as much as seeing how things change over time, even if it's a short period of time. Yeah. It's knowing we, when and why things happen to your data. We have a bit of that. Well, I, I love the, the aspect. I have a couple of questions for you, John. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that most intrigues me about event sourcing is catch, capturing data you don't know you need yet. Mm-hmm. Being able to go back and find that data. But have you, do, do you have, I don't know, like any rule of thumb of, of where that line, line of the sand is of, okay, this data should be event sourced, but this data doesn't need to be? It's hard because working in a legacy system, 99.9% of it is not event sourced. It's more as we build out something new, it's a, a discussion on the team. Uh, what I'm building right now, we foresee a lot of questions from users of, well, why did this happen? And the mm-hmm. only way to answer that is if you have the historical information, which traditionally you don't have because you update and delete records out of a database. Right. So we're anticipating the why did you use this phone number or why did this not work? And we're hoping to be able to go back into the event history and say, well, at this point in time, you were configured for this or that. And that's why things happened. So right. it's, it's a combination of new features slash anticipating the, what will be, what will happen from users. Interesting. But in general, that happens all the time. Anyway, I, I have plenty of use cases where I get support tickets of, XYZ happened, or why is this? And I wish I had that kind of historical data where right now I'm going into the database just hoping I can find something that points me to the answer, but often it's not there, right? Mm-hmm. I have to I have to say, well, I, I assume that at this point in time, you changed something. Like I might have a date updated on a record and I can say, I can see this was updated, but I don't know what changed. Well, that sucks. Like, right. so I, I try to correlate it back to the support ticket of, well, you said this happened. I see this record change, but I don't know what changed. My assumption is you did something. Yeah. And right. I, I can see where, where that level of detailed logging is really useful, especially in the case of, of errors happening in your system. When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your backend applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. 
When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger. We're the monitoring tool for web developers who'd rather be, well, developing. Thank you. Thanks, HoneyBadger. And don't worry about that hook relay thing. It's still a great product. They just, they want to. It's still brought to you by the people from HoneyBadger. They just said, hey, it's time to switch back. Switch things up a little. Oh, boy. We're giving them too much business. They're like, we're seeing too much business come from you guys. We've got to throttle it down a little bit. Hey, hey, Eric. I I, 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 I did a thing today. Uh-oh. I, 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 I did a thing. You're not going to believe what no, I did. Did you bruise? Because apparently well, that's no. just what you do no. on a daily basis now. No, 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 no. no. That's tomorrow. I, 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 I did a thing. Oh, you got an iPhone. I switched to the iPhone what? today. You switched to the iPhone. Why? Switched, uh... so, so this is interesting. Yeah. Go ahead, John. I'll let you go first. At some point, I'd like to, I'd like to contribute to the show. So if you guys get around to me, just, you know, just let me know. <laughs> we'll, we'll I, I, thought, I, I thought this would be, would be big news, actually. So I was an iPhone user back, actually, well before cell phones were really a thing. I started using the Mac, and I just kept saying, Apple needs to make a, a cell phone. Like, that would be amazing, right? They came out the iPhone. I immediately jumped on, and after iPhone three, yeah, after iPhone three, I'm like, for some reason, I was drawn to Android, and I've been Android ever since. My wife has been an iPhone user. Every time I pick up her iPhone, I hate the UI. I I don't know why. It just mm-hmm. bugs me. But over the past probably six months or so, I've been on this like maybe I should make this change. As she's gotten more into. Like now she has an Apple watch. She's doing more where I want to be able to be incorporated in her world with what she's got. And I can't. So there's that. The I was so ready for the Pixel 6 because I had a Pixel 3 beforehand. I was like counting down the days till they released it. I'm in line on in line online trying to get the thing and it was a pain in the ass, but finally got it. And the thing is just buggy. It pisses me off. It's slow to the fingerprint sensor is slow. There's little bugs here and there that I work around, but it's stupid. And then on top of that, now I'm paragliding and there's an app that I really want that only runs on iOS. So that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, all right, all of these things are adding up. Something is telling me I need to make the switch. I can trade in my my Pixel 6, get $800 back for it, which is basically what I paid for the damn thing and change. So Today I made the switch. I am against this in every way. I'm sorry. I trust me. I put a lot of thought into this. It wasn't like a spur of the moment. I'm going to make the switch. There's just so many things kept adding up. You waited until they announced all the new iPhones to get an old iPhone. Probably. Probably. All right, Eric. You 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 had something you wanted to say. Well, now I have questions before I say anything. You don't have to <laughs> sure. zoom in on me, Tom. You try to make me feel better by zooming in on me. No, I'm bringing to attention to the cat. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, him and I are having a, a moment, having a discussion about whose desk this actually is. Okay. You're going to lay back down there. No, okay, of course he's got, that. he's got the Apple watch. 
Kill so, uh, so that, that, that's my, that's my, oh, did you get an Apple watch too? <laughs> so how long before you switch back over to the Apple computer? Probably. I probably not. I can't. Four grand for the new Apple computer. I can't. Four grand. Why can't you? I mean, I can, but using. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Okay. I can. I, but... c- I mean, I could, but. No, it'll buy is used system 76. Doc, doc, Docker itself is Docker. the main. Docker. Is the, no, no, it's it's gonna be like you know, Docker was a problem, but I really wanted my phone to to no, I wanted no, my no. computer to link to my phone to link to my watch. Hey, so uh, I felt like that outweighed my I'm, need to develop. Uh, I'm Docker. dealing with more and more developers that are still on Mac using Docker, and I I'm like watching them, like trying to show them how the system works, and it is so slow. And I remembered I spent years prior to anybody else working locally. I think I kept saying, "You guys need to work locally," but now I see what they were seeing. They're looking at my machine, and as I go do something, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's because it's local. It's just slow. The difference between Linux and Mac when it comes to Docker is night and day. So yeah. unless Docker got fixed in some drastic way, Hold there's no chance of me going back. I'm restarting Docker to see if they fixed it. No. Why? Uh, what What iPhone did you get? The 13 Pro is that Max. The newest? Yeah. Um, yeah, as of no, right don't now. Don't be ashamed, man. No, it's, it's fine. I mean, no, it's, uh, the 13 Pro Max. Did 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 to get did Diego Dev pay for this sin? Is what I really want to know. Actually, it was uh, financed on my mother-in-law's account. <laughs> so it, it's funny <laughs> you you brought that up when you did to me. You, so you told me about this a couple of days ago. Not not that you had done it, that you were thinking about doing it. Um, you know, uh, so much like you, John, I've been on pixel for a long time now and i've always said that i can't go back to a phone that just doesn't have the base os in it like Mm -hmm. other like an android that comes from you know one of these cell phone vendors well i also had my wife on pixel for quite a few years um and she decided she was due for another phone and she really liked the thumbprint reader on her pixel 3 uh which wasn't there in the pixel four mm. and i always complain about it in the pixel six i'm not happy with the thumbprint reader right the pixel it's 6. terrible it's horrible yeah so she she decided she wanted to switch over she 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 took advantage of one of these deals and got the new samsung phone samsung is a is a great product i think that's what i was using up until i started using the pixel mm-hmm. Ditto. and like off the bat She's like, what are all these apps on my phone? I can't even uninstall Candy Crush. Why can't nope. I uninstall Candy Crush? I'm like, <laughs> you cannot. So in my head, in my head, I'm already thinking I should just get her an iPhone. Like if she gives up on this Samsung, I should just get her an iPhone because it's it's either the Pixel or the iPhone if you want that experience of mm-hmm. no added cruft to your. I assume I assume the iPhone's still like that. They don't put any extra I, stuff in. Yeah, there's. I didn't see any. I mean, they, there's a yeah. ton of apps on there, but it's all iphone centric right and i'm sure you can uninstall them if you want i mean you know like things like candy crush and facebook and and she's just she's like beside herself she's like what do you mean i can't uninstall this i'm like yeah no that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) so she we might be we might be getting an iphone in this house at some point i i i would i mean i i don't care i i think it doesn't feel that different to me. I actually have an application on my Android that doesn't run on the iPhone. It's for and if you if you do like stuff around the house where you where you need to find studs, there's this product out there called uh, a wall bot or something. Uh, you got that? 
I got it. Oh my god, it is so good. I mean, I actually what? got a I second s- one. Oh really? Yeah, because oh, in, in the move, I've had it for years. Really? In, in the move, I lost my first one. I, I didn't lose it. It's still packed somewhere. I'm like in the new house. I'm like, I've got to get this. Not only has it paid for itself because it's not that expensive, but like you know. So Tom, if you're not familiar, I'm you know, not. They're stud finders, right? So there are all these stud finders. I always have problems with stud finders. They just every time I touch them, they just start going off. <laughs> Dad joke. Anyways. Usually stud finders are like little beep, 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 beep things, right? And, and when it starts beeping loud, it's, it, there's a stud behind the wall. Sure. I actually found a better version of that. This is actually low-tech. It's a very powerful magnet because most studs have nails in them. Mm-hmm. And it'll find a nail and lock, lock in. I actually like that one. This thing is like radar. It tells you if you see a stud, if it's a pipe, or if it's... And I've actually almost drilled into a pipe once. I'm like, let me let me go get the wall box just to make sure this is good. When I was hanging my uh, television, I'm like, well, glad I didn't drill there. It's great. I love I love the thing. It's it's totally worth the money if you hang a lot of stuff. So yeah, get that. But that app doesn't run on iPhone. That surprises me actually. Most apps yeah, run I don't know. run iPhone first because it's a closed ecosystem. And it's like it doesn't change. Where with Android, you got so many varieties, and it's a pain in the ass because. Yeah. You'll have somebody I'm say, "Well, it you. doesn't. It doesn't work on this phone or that phone, but it in general it works." Yeah, no. Yes. This 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 has. They have no. At least the last time I checked, they had no iPhone version. They're, yeah, they're very explicit I, explicit about that. I wish I would have known that you had that because I've been looking at that thing for years, and I'm just like, it can't be that good. It it is totally that good, and it's so cool because like like a wiring like that pvc that they use for wiring you know that doesn't always go up and down so you like you can actually follow it through your wall it's really good <laughs> i highly recommend it as a tool yeah it's, it, the only pain in the ass is that every time you go to use it you have to calibrate it so it's just like you know going on a circle on your wall and, and of course you calibrate it by holding it against yourself and waiting till it beeps yeah, exactly. yes. <laughs> that's how it works it's driven by purely by dad patent joke energy. Now that's right. Now, will it look in, can you see your internal organs? That's the next question. I, I, I haven't tried that. I, I would assume not. I don't think you you have the option of drywall or concrete. I don't. You don't really have the option of you know body. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if you tried, it probably would give you a tumor. <laughs> All right, I have questions for people. Yeah, I want to hear. I've, um, I've been waiting for this. So, uh, I w- the, these are topics. If you've listened to the show long enough, these are topics we've talked about in the past. I, I hope it's been enough time where we haven't talked about some of these. But uh, if you're in our Discord at discord.phbickley.com, feel free to participate because I'm very curious about this. So, first one's for you, Tom. Uh, John, you and I actually kind of had this conversation. And uh, it came up to me by, from a client. Um, Tom, in your new place, are you guys using GitHub? No. Oh, you are you are you using any SVN? Oh yeah, no, we're totally on with the uh, Atlassian system. Atlassian. Everything is we it do a is Bitbucket. Uh, yeah, is a Bitbucket. Okay, so Bitbucket is very similar to, to GitHub, right? Yeah, it's all it's all good. Do you? Because I know in your previous job you did it. What did. workflow do you guys adhere to now? Do you guys, do you use the, uh, everybody forks the upstream or everybody works on upstream? Everybody forks develop and. Well, wait, 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 not forks. Everyone, you're saying branches. everyone branches 
branches from develop. Everyone works in the same repo. Everyone works, yes. Okay. Okay, so everybody, so you still work in the workflow of everybody works in the same repo and they just create their own branches. Yes. What what do you see? Do you have an opinion as to what the benefits of that approach are? Simplicity. Uh, <clears throat> if uh, okay, if if I'm working off of a forked repo, then to pull the latest develop in means pulling up the UI and saying fetch develop from the fork. And I mean, how, how is that any different than if, if you're working in the same repo and you're in a different, different branch and you need to update that branch with the develop, you still have to do the same thing. No, I could fetch origin, develop, develop. You can do the same yeah, thing but you with still the have to pull upstream. It in. Right. But I, I don't have to pull develop from a different repo. I can just pull it from, I don't have to merge the repos. It, I, I don't, it's not like you got to walk to the repo. It's all digital. You just tell it, Hey, fetch it from upstream as opposed to origin. I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems simpler. I, I haven't worked in an okay. environment where we're, we're using forked repos. Um, all right. Discord. Discord, if you're not familiar with my understanding of the differences, this this is by no means any textbook that I know of. The the workflow I prefer in what we do with uh, within Diego Dev is we use a forked repo approach where we establish the the upstream repo of the project and all the developers fork from that repo into their own GitHub account. It's, now, kind, me, it's kind of the standard open source method of and that definitely adds a layer of like that adds a layer of security i can't accidentally commit something to develop and push it to you so so to me that seems like a better method because me as a developer i'm always tinkering with stuff and i'm always like creating branches and sometimes like the branches i won't even will never get I'll never open a pull request back to upstream with a branch because I'm just tinkering to see if it works. And my naming convention could be whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is then I have whatever branch I'm working on with whatever manner I feel like working on it, committing as much as I want and all that other stuff. Then I can, you know, of course, squash my commits or whatever I want to do to make it pretty before I open up a pull request upstream. And I just open up that pull request as a as a manager of multiple repos, it's very nice to have a clean upstream repo where I have dev staging main, you know? I don't have 50 branches in my repo and try to figure out, okay, well, 50? this That's person's it? working on this <laughs> this person's working on this branch and this person's working on this branch and oh, this branch is expired because now they're on this branch. I don't have any of that noise. You know, I just have PRs to my upstream and it keeps everything nice and clean. And I ask that because, I mean, I'm sure there are benefits to keeping everybody on the same repo, but I can't, I I struggle to see. We we, we were talking about, we were talking about this the other day. I think I brought it up to you. Uh, I did the same thing with Foamer where we do forked repos. Everybody gets their own forks and it's just the way I set up because that's what I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Hired some new people recently and the scoff I got about, why are you doing forked repos? You know, that's that's crazy. I then look at my local uh, repo. I have, no joke, 2,850 branches. Ugh, amateur. 
how many are how many are your branches and how many are branches you you're pulling in from other developers to, to uh, test? All mine. Oh, really? Oh, wow! Yeah, crap. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> no, so just, see, that's something else. So I, I but, do is I'll, I'll pull in from other other developers. Part of that was na- being naive a, f- a few years ago. I told management when you go to merge something, GitHub has this great squash and merge thing. So they were squashing and merging. Well, that screws up my local repo because I don't know that my branch has been merged anymore because the the commit Mm -hmm. hashes have changed. I used to have a nice simple script that I would delete merge branches. It would say, it would go through all my lists and say, okay, this has already been merged. Go ahead and delete it. Well, once you do the squash and merge, you can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason not to use squash and merge in GitHub. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't use question merge. I don't care I, if I have a thousand I don't, commits. I don't anymore. But yeah. at the time, that's what I was pushing for. I'm like, it's nice. You don't <laughs> brings it all down to one commit. And the 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 client I was talking to specifically, so client came to me about this. They're they're looking to move to uh, GitHub, and yeah, you know, they were asking me. They're 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 the whole um, single repo sort of workflow, and yeah, you know, they were asking me about it, and you know, I was telling what I thought the pros of it were. And the response was, well, what if you have multiple people working on the same branch? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't understand the question. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, they need each other's code. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, they, they, there's a couple approaches you, you can take with that. I mean, you can, they can share each other's repo and pull from each other. Just like you pull from upstream. You, you I would pull from John or John would pull from me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can establish and say, okay, Eric, you know, your, your repo will be the one we open the PR request from. So I will, I will keep my stuff updated to yours and either open up PR to you or just commit directly to you. And then, you know, the whole thing yeah. of, well, what if they're working in code that overlaps one another? And I'm like, I don't see what the difference is if they're on the same branch or not. Like, it's the same thing. It's not thing. like Google Docs where they can see each other typing at the same time, you know? Yeah. There's, so, there's also the know, option I, of I, feature branches upstream, too. I do that a lot. Right. Yeah, that makes sense, especially if, if you have one of these workflows where you roll features out to clients. Like, not everybody's doing this one feature you're only rolling out to certain certain amount of servers that certain clients are on or something like that. Well, it would make a lot of sense. I do it where you got multiple developers working on a single feature where if you've separated out your tasks well enough where you can work in parallel, it's like I'm gonna open my code against feature branch A, you know, in the upstream, and somebody else will mm-hmm. open up a separate PR to the same upstream branch not to developer staging so that mm-hmm. Now uh, you have code review separated, but everything gets merged into that one. And then you open a PR from the feature branch to your develop branch when you're ready. Hmm. Once everybody gets their part of the feature done. Oh, that's interesting. You know, now that you say, you know, now that you say that, I just realized something. That same client asked me to close some tickets today. And I went into the repo to see the status of those branches to see if they were merged in. And those branches were gone. And he was like, oh, yeah, they must have gotten pruned or something. I'm like, well, okay. So does that mean the code is in is in the production you know, repo now? And, yeah, it must be if it, if it got pruned. It's like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> sure. Had this, had, had this been my own repo, I could just try to open another pool request and verify that you know, all my code got merged. That's why you don't so prune I'm like, okay, branches. I'm going to close these uh, 10 tickets then because... 
I got no code to look at. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. All right. Well, cool. I, I so can Joe say. Ferguson, thanks for monsters. The zombie Slayer's with you, Tom, as far as the single, uh, single repo. I can say that we have a QA team that I can ask to test a branch, but if I told them to test a PR, they they might be stumped. Well, so th- that depends on your QA team. So we're working now. It really does because really I asked one of my I, I gave JSON well, to one of my QA testers, and they said, "What's that for?" And I said, "You use it as a mock to call the webhook that you're testing." And he said, "What's a mock?" And I said, <laughs> "It's this thing that QA testers use." It's driving me slowly insane. So, <laughs> so in our CI environment right now, it it spins up Docker containers per PR. So you can go to PR dash and then the, the pull request number dot blah, 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 blah. And now you're hitting the actual code for that PR. So we can tell QA, here's where you're going to go to test this PR. And here's what this PR is supposed to do. So they can test that feature before it ever gets merged in. Yeah, that's pretty typical. Well, you know who okay, I got more. You know who I'd like to hear weigh in on this? Our patrons on Patreon. Oh, that's gorgeous. Look at that. Do we have any <laughs> Thank you. do we have Thank any you. Patreon news this this month? This week? No, no, no news. All right, good glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so while you have that up. So I, I want to move on to my next question for you guys. Again, it's, it's a topic we've visited in the past. I'm very, very curious about Discord's thought on this. And it's something I'm personally struggling with a lot because I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy the fact that both my Vim and PHP Storm, which I had a problem with PHP Storm today. I should have reached out to you, uh, John, but I didn't. Uh, but Vim wasn't complaining. Like I was, it was working fine in Vim. Anyways, both my PHP Storm and Vim format my file for me when I save. So when I save, it it auto formats everything. It says, okay, make sure everything is indented correctly. I'm that I'm that crazy ass that who likes to align, you know, the equal signs and likes to align their their, their hash rockets and. Um, but again. When I'm doing client work and I'm in, I'm in a file, especially this one cl- client has files that are like, I'm not even exaggerating, 4,500, 5,000 lines long. And it formats everything to my liking and I'm happy about that. But then when I, you know, submit my PR, I've changed one line of code, but it looks like I've changed like half the file. I'm struggling with this because I like the formatting. It looks so much better when it's formatted. And I know there's a little, I mean, even I get the, the aligning the, the equal signs and the hash rockets and things like that is, is one of those kind of touchy subjects that people go back and forth on whether it's a good idea or not a good idea. But even, even not that, just like the normal PSR sort of, this is how things should be formatted, formatting. I like it. It feels so much yeah. better. The file looks so much better when it's done, but I feel like it's such a burden because yeah. I don't do the code review. You know, I'm just another developer. Yeah. So I've gone through this a few times as projects have evolved. And I agree with what Joe Fergan is saying in discord, establish a code style first that is agreed upon for everybody. So if, if you're going to align your equal signs, everybody has to agree to it. And if you can get it into your phpcs.xml, even better, then run a fixer across the entire code base where you can say, hey, this PR looks scary, but it's all formatting changes. Like you can scan Mm -hmm. through it real quick, but it's formatting changes, just accept it, 
nothing should break. Now your PR is a one-line fix again. Uh, or do start, start enforcing those. Or, or if you know that's going to happen, save your file first. Open a PR just for that one file if you're not going to do the entire code base. And mm-hmm. say, hey, this is a formatting PR. And now here's my PR for that one-line change so that they are completely separate. Mm. I like the idea of everybody doing it my way better. I think that's how do it. Just do it my way, and everybody will be happier. Uh, we have uh, yeah. PHP Doc uh, and PHP CS as part of our like rule set for our IDEs. So I actually like just formatting. Formatting stuff shows up as an error in our code. It's a, a red line that says, "Hey, there's an error in your code," and it's it might just be a basic formatting thing as like too many spaces before a, a class definition or something like that. But like it's. Everyone's gotten pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. good. But again, if you have it as part of your XML file, assuming you're using PHP CS and it's agreed upon and you, you're starting from a clean slate, that's easier. Going back to Eric's question, though, making one line change and now having a 3,000 line PR, that's really not right. acceptable. I'm, I would I be annoyed. I'm fine with it. I would be annoyed going through that PR. I mean, like, what what's the change? Well, the PR should ignore white space changes. You can change GitHub uh, to do that. Yeah. In GitHub, you can you can add a. There's an option in there where you add it to the URL ampersand ws equals one. Yeah. To ignore white space changes. That's that's just what you do. But they're not all I just white space. The default. It's not, but there, it's an option in GitHub. But right. No, Tom, Tom's like, yeah, no, everybody knows, it. everybody does that. Yeah, that's what, what you, you do. It's just what you do. Right. Well, okay, it's so it's, all, it's the it's default not all just for white most, space. For most IDEs, that is the default for doing diffs when there's a merge. No, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's not. Absolutely. No. Diffs show the diff. I've never seen an IDE that does that. PHP Storm defaults to ignore white space on no, it diffing does not. files. No, it does not. Yeah, it does. No, it does not. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I will fight you on this because I use it every goddamn day. I can tell you've got and I- 3,000 open branches. <laughs> it's not 3,000. It's 2,850, damn it. It's rounding up from 2,000. Uh, now, I, as much as I don't have a whole lot to say about this, besides just being wrong about what the default is for stuff, <laughs> I do have to say that that the programming subreddits this week had a little conniption fit about uh, coding standards and styles. And the, the big one is, of course, tabs versus spaces, which I'd like to oh, remind God, people, I resolved this long time ago on the podcast, but in case you've never heard it, the correct answer is the tab key to generate the correct number of spaces. That's the answer. That that's the answer for you. That doesn't, that doesn't solve it for the people that like tabs. It does they could, because they like tabs because they like hitting the tab key. That's it. It solves no ninety nine percent of use like cases. Delete one character and move back four spaces. With no, the the people that like tabs like it because some people want six tabs, some people want two tabs, some people want four tabs. Where with one tab character, you you fix that for everybody, n- not just the people that like four spaces like you. That's I'm the afraid Discord's so, not backing me up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a space person. I agree. Spaces. Are, I'm telling you what the people that like tabs are. So you didn't solve it. You just spoke what you wanted. No, I, I am telling you the tab people 
believe the that you're coming people. to take I away their tab. I don't know any tab people. Are there still tab people in the world? Th- there yes. are tab people in the world. They're from the 70s, and they think you're taking away their tab key. They think that they have to hit the space bar 16 times. Don't cancel my tabs! All right, so I want to yeah. move on. I want to move uh, on. I still think... Last topic on that. I still think there are people that, like, condensed code and they want a two what looks like a two-space tab even though it's a single tab go ahead well this isn't pearl they can deal with it all all modern (laughs) compilers strip spaces anyways all formats of spaces okay so tom i'm gonna pick on you again fire away how'd you feel knowing that taylor listened to you did you pick the perfect perfect show to kiss the ring or what so if you're if you didn't listen to last week's show i wouldn't say we talked about uh, Laravel Origins, the the documentary on Laravel, um, and it you know surprisingly Tom was actually okay with it, which everybody was waiting to hear Tom rant about it. He'd already ranted about it leading up to it before he even. Saw I had it, ranted just, about just the from trailer, the trailers, yeah, yeah, and so you know everybody was just kind of bracing for for Tom, and when we did. We did have some criticisms about it. We, in typical PHP ugly fashion, we I felt we were fair and all, but Tom actually in, liked in, it. In untypical and, PHP ugly fashion, I think we were quite fair. <laughs> and we 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 got a tweet to PHP ugly from Taylor Otwell himself. So, what did you think when you read that? I didn't. Read I it. wasn't surprised by <laughs> I wasn't surprised by his statement. I thought he was a little uh, nicer than he needed to be. No, you, you're supposed to start with saying, I was shocked that he listened to the show, but I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that the documentary came out and he listened to every podcast that came out that week. Well, that's fine. But (laughs) but we were on the radar. That's the point. I'm saying that as nicely as as, as I can, is that if somebody made a fucking documentary about me and put it out there, I would look for all of the places where people had watched it and had commented on it. Just get, right. get a little Google alert going saying, yes. hey, whenever Laravel Origins is mentioned. You know, Absolutely. So I wouldn't say that he fun. listens to us. I would say that he listened to an episode. That's all we cared about. <laughs> no, that's probably fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know, although there has been evidence in the past that he listens to us. <laughs> But we try not to. I we try was, not to claim that. We try not to claim that because that feels <laughs> too powerful of us to say that we have any influence on the community whatsoever from this podcast. Well, I, I, I actually took a certain amount of pride the fact that I wasn't even the first one to know about it. Like I normally get notifications when PHP Ugly is mentioned in a tweet. Right. Ex- exactly and, my point. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even get. Like I didn't even pay attention to this and. <laughs> Again, a client's talking to me. He goes, hey, Taylor's talking about your, your podcast. He says he hates you. I'm like, yeah, I, th- I thought he was being funny. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> he's no, no, no. He said, he said you guys were all right. I'm like, what the hell are you okay, talking Okay, now about? I have to he's look like, it up what he said. He's okay. like, Taylor tweeted about, about your show. I'm like, it, no, he did not. Oh, you heard about there before you saw it in Discord? Cause, yeah. Because we had somebody in Discord posted before i saw your post about it oh did i not post it to discord i thought no, I you posted you post you posted it to slack not the discord i oh. saw it in, i oh. saw it in discord first yeah. i yeah first off i made it a point to be 100 percent sober for that episode second off <laughs> we appreciate second that. off i was reviewing it entirely as 
a documentary piece, which means you know, no personal attacks on any of the people involved in it, no criticism of anything beyond the documentary nature of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's it's going to be a fair criticism of a film that relates to something that I am closely tied to. Mm-hmm. So I I couldn't really say anything that I think would be found offensive because my point of view was this is a this is coverage of a thing I like. You like you couldn't say something that could be found offensive. Again, I was a hundred percent sober, so I couldn't accidentally say so, something increasingly offensive. I want to I want to continue down this track. We, I mean, you know, you take a certain amount of pride when the the founder of the framework mentions you in a tweet. I mean, it's always kind of cool to see that. I don't care who you are, right? It, it's I, cool whether whether it's pro or, or against. You know, it's just the fact that they recognize your opinion is, is nice. Here's you know? okay, but I, I have to stop you there first. I really think we have bigger names in our Discord channel and as regular listeners than. Taylor. I really do. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but so in like, this I, I case, I'm totally disagreeing with you. Who do you think who do you think we have regular listeners? Sarah? Sarah's good. Sarah? Uh Michael Drinda? Uh he's just those guys who run the Joe podcast. Ferguson? We've already established that. Joe, he, he's not Joe important. Ferguson. Uh Snipey. Fuck Snipey, you, Steve. Snipey used to listen. <laughs> Fucking Steve. Fucking Steve. I don't think Snipey ever listened. She I, she did for a while. Steve. I think she. I think Steve. I think she got Steve, mad. won't you mention? Won't you mention somewhere like in the podcast or in the uh, documentary? I'm pretty sure Steve was was mentioned. Yeah. I'm just saying, I've I've gotten a little jaded with like our interaction with the community and the community leaders, and I disagree saying that like Taylor responding to our podcast was particularly like star striking. I didn't say star striking. I'm, I'm just saying it, it, it's nice to have that acknowledgement. Yeah, it's nice. And I, I say that because I'm leading into something else. Okay. All right. So if you're in the Laravel ecosystem, you know, and if you've listened to Taylor talk, he has, you know, kind of a similar thing with DHH from Ruby and rails. He's a, he seems I don't I don't want to call him a fan. I don't want to put put words in his mouth, but he he seems to respect a lot of the decisions DHH makes with in terms of the framework. Someone I know has we had to. a little conversation. I know we had a little conversation about DHH last week, which I'm not sure if was fairly represented. I, I haven't looked into it yet, but either way, there's no question that that Taylor appreciates the hard work that DHH does in the Ruby community and specifically what he does with the framework he created, Ruby and Rails. I thought it was pretty cool to see DHH reference the Laravel Origins documentary and you know what he thought of it. And again, I can't speak for Taylor, but I gotta think Taylor thought, oh cool, this you know, this guy, I I've I'm a blimp on his radar now. Uh, Nothing I, no opinion? I don't know, man. DHH still strikes me as a little crazy. <laughs> Maybe a sh- we'll maybe a sharp on, guy, but he just he just rubs me wrong. I talked earlier about not wanting to buy Tesla. I might be put in a position where I buy a Tesla. I don't know yet. I'm still debating. We've had many many conversations about Elon Musk. Yeah. The one thing we try to do, and we do a very poor job on the show, is to keep the political climate of the world out of code talk. But Why is there something going on right now? The reality of how important technology is in politics and 
the way the world's ran can't be overlooked. We saw this during the crazy four years with Trump and how, you know, first he was trying to manipulate technology and social media, and then he was blaming them. And it had always seemed like our industry was factoring into the political landscape. What's happening again, right? Um, a few countries, I don't know if the U.S. is one of them, but a few countries have reached out to Elon Musk and asked that he not allow Starlink uh, uh, functionality from Russia and Russia ter- Russian territories during this conflict that's going on with um, Russia between Russia and Ukraine. Do, and, do you have a lot to say about this? And I'll, I'll let you get there. Elon, Elon tweeted, Starlink has been told by some governments, not the Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do, uh, we will not do so unless at gunpoint. Sorry to be such a free speech absolutist. One of the best replies I saw, saw to this, somebody replied to Elon and says, yeah, but the Russian news is not free speech. So your position doesn't really make sense. You're basically saying you're not uh, you are a free market communication absolutist, not free speech. Government manipulation, manipulated speech is not free speech. Convince me I'm wrong. <laughs> we can't, we, we can't ignore the role. And I know in the PHP community, there are a lot of PHP developers in Russia and in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I, I concern, I'm concerned about them. As a matter of fact, I actually reached out to John. I'm like, Hey, is, is JetBrains a Russian-owned company? Because is there is there an issue there with that at all? I, I don't think they are, but I I, I, I thought they are. Russia had uh, JetBrains is a Russian-owned company. I believe so. Oh uh, no, Czech. Mm, Czech Republic. There we go. Czech Republic. Okay. Uh, Czech Republic does have an office in Moscow, though. They probably have an office in the U.S. as well. Uh, so Boston. Yeah. Um, so you. You said you have a lot to say about this. I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this are. So forget Elon's involvement in the whole thing. There have been requests to ICANN to shut off internet in Russia. And the the thing that baffles me is that we're getting this flood of TikTok videos and YouTube videos and media reports from on-the-ground citizens in Ukraine and people are saying that we should shut off that flow of information to Russia, the place where they are completely controlled by state media. But the internet uh. is open. So, like, I th- this is legislation being handled by people who don't understand the nature of the internet and what's being done and not done. It is it compromises the the entire idea of the free and open internet to shut off any country for any reason. Uh, this is this is the the job of of espionage to cut off services that are providing uh, non-government sponsored information. So if, if we don't like RT in Russia, then we should be hacking RT and bringing it down. But this is not the job of the infrastructure of the internet to manage that shit. It's the job of governments who are involved in the war. The internet is a neutral party, right or wrong. And, you know, people can bitch and moan all about the censorship on YouTube and Twitter and free speech platforms like truth and whatever they want to bitch about. But that's not the internet. Those are corporate entities. The internet is run by ICANN, which is an organization that stands for the free and fair internet. And ICANN should not be taking a position no matter what. 
Uh, okay, but but you're 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 distracting from wh- exactly what you said. Starlink <laughs> is is not ICANN. Starlink is a private company who has the power to say, you know, I'm not going to let you use my product. To sure, but I perform genocide on another country. But once you're once you're a router on the network, choosing picking and choosing which data you'll route is fundamentally but, against ICANN's. But are we talking about two different things here? Starlink versus is, is Starlink just an internet connection? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It. Yeah, yeah. It's just an internet yeah. connection. It's it's like you know your your Cox cable, except it's yeah. Which I think like twelve people, like, twelve people in Russia have Starlinks. So it's it's not a free speech thing. It's the internet, and as soon as you start restricting sources that you call propaganda, then people will see you as a propagandist for the other side. So when you first brought this up, Eric, the way you, the way it was portrayed was it was just about government media getting across Starlink versus it being an internet connection where there could be outside views coming into Russia as well. And, and that's my that's my point is that as a provider, if you decide what government media is, you become the problem. So let me let, let let me ask you this question then. All right, if if you guys want to play devil advocate here, really, Steve, for the first time ever, you agree with me? For the first time, <laughs> you know, I, I might be in the same boat as Steve right now. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, and I get I get your argument, but what if if you're going to say that, then do you say, well, if Russia starts to starts to uh, forbid the flow of information into the country, then you think it would be justified to, to shut it down? So if, if Russia says, hey, we don't want YouTube, we don't want these you know, TikToks and Twitter to come into the country because it's influencing the people in our country, we're going to block these services. That's But that's what Starlink is circumventing, is that Russia can't, oh, it's, it, Russia can't tell Starlink to not to block something. They have no. Okay, you, you're not, you're not going to get both sides of this argument, though. You were talking about ICANN, though. You're saying sure. you're saying that ICANN shouldn't. Step the, in you're talking and, about the Great Fire, the Great Firewall. It's like like in China, yeah. right? China China has something like this. I you know that's at their border gateways. That's unfortunately their decision, but that's where the data enters into their system, and you you have to let people filter out what they want to filter out, whether or not you like it. So you, so, so they have they have the right to manipulate this free data flowing in. But if, if, and I, and I totally get your point. If you start to say you're the source that identifies propaganda, you become propaganda. Right. I get that. But I don't, I don't think he's saying like that. That line has to be drawn somewhere. I don't think he's saying that he would want information to be filtered out. I don't think any of us want that. Right. <laughs> but, but this is, I mean, this is, but, war, but, right? but, but this isn't, I think, I think this is different in the sense that the people that want, him stopping it to stop the flow of uh, government propaganda is outbound versus all the rest of the news around the world coming into the Russian people. Like right. And the people and that aren't involved in the world in the war, the people that don't I mean, want they, the war. They, you can't block the signal. Yeah. They can, they can block you, you parts. Absolutely no, can. they can block they, parts they of can the block, signal. I mean, you, you think, you think, you think there, there are that many Russians that have a direct Starlink satellite? No, no but no, I'm saying that you can't block the signal. And stuff. There are people right now who collect used USB drives to put anti-North Korea propaganda on, and then they airdrop it over North Korea in the hopes that someone picks it up and puts it in a computer. You can't stop the signal. 
you can fuck with it, but you can make it. You can make it difficult, right? But then people watch. But then people see you making it difficult. That's fine. I, I again, I think I'm I'm being positioned incorrectly. I'm not trying to bl- block the people in Russia from getting information. I think that will happen. What what they're saying is, don't help enable this government do what they're doing, and by by shutting down things like, I mean. Basically, you're saying, oh, yeah, you know, countries shouldn't stop sending gas to, to, to Russia because, you know, they they need that gas. You know, there's civilians that need the gas to drive to the border to see loved ones. But that's not the way it works. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to choke a throat. And unfortunately, when you're trying to choke a government, a throat of a government, there's going to be collateral damage. And, and I think that's being so, done by governments. But like I said, is... You can't lose the integrity. You can't lose the integrity of the network. We're going to come full circle. If if people would just agree with me and do it my way, everything would be fine. You can't. You can't lose the moral integrity of the network, and the moral integrity of the network is dependent on being. I I don't. I don't think you can say you have moral integrity because you continue to provide bullets to your enemy to shoot you. I don't think that's saying. Well, at least I have my morals. That's. There, there, there is a line that has to be drawn. That's that's where you know the leaders of this country and leaders of, of business need to under, you know need to step up. I think that the line. So I, I get what you're saying. Nobody should be restricted from anything. But when you have a government that's trying to restrict people, but you're not restricting that government. I think I don't know. I, there has there has to be punishment. I think that the line that has been drawn is that with the internet, at least just with the internet, not with bullets or gasoline. Any good intention action of blocking access or providing access is going to look bad intentioned to somebody else. There is no winning. Again, that 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 same that same statement can be made about a lot of things. Uh, it is made about a lot of things, but this is this is, this why is we the don't philosophy. Talk about politics on the show. No, it's the philosophy, this is, but it's not the politics. This is. I just thought it was interesting about the about the Starlink um, angle on this and Elon's Musk. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that you've come around to Elon Musk's way of thinking and, and you've embraced him a little bit more there. Tom, Tom, you're just full of surprises. You're embracing Elon. You're embracing Taylor. I don't even know who you are anymore. You're a different man when you're sober. That's all I have to say. Hey, even a, but, even a broken clock is right sometimes. I think that's going to do it. <laughs> We're running long. And I stopped caring about the show a while back when Steve joined. No, just kidding, Steve. I love you, man. I love you. I watched your live stream this week. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot I'm not supposed to talk about nope. other podcasts nope. or the live stream, nope. so I won't mention it. Uh, it's, uh, but, uh, mark, the, yeah. mark the time down. You can just cut that in the edit. This is going to be episode 277 of PHB Ugly. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, keep, it, keep ugly. it ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shout out to people. 
PHP, the ugly It's called ugly cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless it with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, this segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can't nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the programming language About to break it down, no exaggeration What do y'all do for a living? Web applications, okay I can dig it, my words spray tight Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights Yeah, when it comes to rhyming You can call me the new dude I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube So let's get it, you know my lyrics are major All up in the comments They got plenty of haters But they doing what they doing Keep it ugly We ending every show with the saying It's lovely, let's go Yeah, come on